Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with our awesome sponsors, Najahi Tribe. Go check them out. If you want to learn to improve your life, you want to get better results, build your business, create success, get your money working for you, and just dominate, then Najahi Tribe, all the coaches are there at an incredibly cheap price for you to take advantage of. Now, just imagine if you were a Taekwondo black belt. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? What about if you could fly a plane? That would be awesome too. What about if you could do it with no arms? Well, my next guest has no arms and she does exactly that. She's broken world records. On top of that, she's been on Oprah. She's been on Ellen, the BBC, CNN, you name it, where she shares her story of mind over matter since she was a young girl. On today's show, the awesome Jessica Cox. Cue the music. So first things first, Jessica, thank you so much for coming onto the show this afternoon. We're literally delighted to get you on here. And I'm going to throw a load of interesting questions at you. And there's going to be people that want to know so much about your story. But first of all, welcome. Well, thank you. Glad to be on. Now, you have a really interesting story. And the only person that I can, I, I can really kind of think about when I think about you is getting to know someone that we both know really well, which is a guy called Nick Wojcic. And and my audience know Nick because of the events that I've done with him and also having him on the show. And I don't know anyone with a steely mind and determination like that. But when I got to know Nick, we, we talked a lot about what it was like for him being a kid. And, and, and not so much, you know, there's lots of things that are talked about, like bullying and all this kind of stuff that goes on. But for him, it was like, he felt really, really unhappy for a long time. You know, he felt, why, why me? He felt, he felt a victim of the situation. And, you know, we talked about his faith and, and Christianity and stuff and, and, and the fact that he wondered whether, whether, whether God had dealt him a bad set of cards, really. Tell me a little bit about what it was like for you when you were younger. I grew up with the why me question as well. I mean, I, my mom and my, my mother and father were both, very grounded and they gave me this foundation that I could do anything but naturally as I became more aware of my surroundings I would go around and wonder why is my brother and sister why are they why do they have arms and I'm the only one here in the family the only one in my hometown that's different and that sense of isolation and the feeling of being the only one is probably more painful than the actual difference it's just that isolation that comes with being different the isolation and the feeling like no one really fully understands what it's like. And when, when you're in that, I mean, how, how long was it, or what age did you get to where, you know, it's almost like I, I look at it like somebody, you see these people on TV that have got really heavy, they've put loads of weight on and they go through these yo-yo diets and then eventually they say enough. I can't do this anymore enough. And that becomes like a, a real psychological turning point in how they think and then how they live their life. Did you get to a point where, you, you just felt enough and it was like, time to get on now, time to embrace what I've got, okay, and really make the best of it. There was definitely not just one moment for me when I said, okay, I'm gonna just move on. Let's, uh, you know, let me just get over it and move forward. I think it was a series of things that happened in my life. It was a series of people in my life who gave me the encouragement that I needed to finally get past that uh, self-consciousness that I had about my difference, my insecurities, that feeling of, you know, of, you know, what are they going to say if they see me eating in public? 
and um, all the things that come with being different, the unwanted attention you get. Finally, it was just after having so many people in my life and finally maturing to that state of saying, you know, this is who I am. And all I can do is be the best version of me out possible. Not, not everyone in the world is going to be okay with it, but it's not my job to convince them that it's just my job to be the best me that I can be. Hmm. And we, uh, when you, when you think about that, did you, did you think when that happened or when those series of events happened for you, do you think that other people or people looked at you differently when you looked at yourself differently? Absolutely. I felt like the moment that I made that shift from the self-conscious, oh, everyone's staring at me, almost like victim mentality of everyone's looking at me in a negative light. When I made the shift into this positive light into, yes, I'm different and people are staring at me and, and I can actually go out and, and people will remember me and they'll remember my name and making that shift into something positive. I then ended up getting the reaction from people that I always wanted. I got the people looking at me for the positive reasons, the people who look at me and smile or be inspired in a very good way instead of uh, my self-conscious state that I had growing up through those adolescent years. Hmm, that's really interesting. And when we think about it, it's like, I'll put it into simpler terms, I think, for lots of people that are living, living everyday life, and they don't have the challenges that you've had. It's like, uh, I remember my first day in a sales office when I was a youngster, and I had to get on the telephone and make cold calls. And I, I walked in the office and the, 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 they'd given me a bit of training and a script to use. There was 100 people in this room. This was back in the 80s. And I remember standing in this room, and I, I had to make my first phone call. And I just thought, everybody's looking at me, everybody. And I was terrified of making these calls because I knew that everybody was going to judge me. Everybody was looking. It was just like it became overwhelming very quickly. I realized on day three in that office that no one had paid any attention to anything I was doing. It was just a story that I told myself, okay, the, the perception I had of a situation rather than the actual reality. And I think that, that like you describe how things changed for you when you looked at it differently than everybody else did. But maybe, maybe people weren't really looking at it like that way in the first place. Yeah, exactly. It's funny how our mindsets define how we perceive life. And that's, that's the truth for anyone in whatever challenges like your example. I mean, I used to just worry that people were going to look at me weird and, and get so hung up on that not realizing that people aren't worried about me, they're worried about themselves. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you've achieved some incredible achievements along the way. There's some really amazing things that you've done. And you know, there's things that uh, people with both arms and hands and fingers and stuff like that would find massively complicated and difficult and challenging to do. So are you hell bent on choosing the most difficult thing you can and then mastering that? Because flying a plane, Taekwondo, Black Belt as two examples. I mean, you could have picked something easier you know baking a cake I don't know well you know I'm not the best at baking a cake but uh, you're right I guess I could have I could have picked cooking or baking or something but these opportunities really crossed my path and I've been the type of person to always say yes when an opportunity came my way I had no idea if you would have asked me before I started flying would I have ever become a pilot I probably would have said you're crazy that's that's not something I'm even I'm even considering and you know I just left the airport this morning and realizing you know I went out to see the plane that I fly and I was like this is unbelievable even for me 
I have to remind myself that that's something I can't take for granted is that this opportunity that I have as a woman without arms to fly an airplane any anytime I want to go out and fly, it's pretty incredible. So I pick things as they come to me. It wasn't necessarily that I said, I'm going to find the hardest thing possible, like flying a plane or becoming a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo. It was never that. It was just the opportunities came. As a child, I started Taekwondo when I was 10 years old and I made my way up in the ranks. And, and here I am as an adult with a fourth degree black belt. It's just what came across my path. And because I was always open to it, I was always open to saying, yes, you want to give me an opportunity and I'll say yes to it. I never, never turned anything down. All right. Okay. okay. That, that's, that's all great. Okay. And I get the thing with being 10 years old because we kind of, we, 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 we're kind of introduced to things at 10 years old, a lot easier than we will be when we're older. How old were you when the opportunity to fly came up? I was 21 when I, the first opportunity to fly came up. All right. So you're 21 years old. Tell me whose idea this was. This idea, really, I was doing my first speech in front of a Rotary group, which Rotary is just a group of um, yeah. a membership group, and you know what I mean. And and I went up to the stand. I went up there, shared my story. Sure enough, a guy comes up. He's a former fighter pilot. He says, "How would you like to fly in an airplane?" And I was stunned with the question because I was terrified of flying in an airplane. I was terrified since the first time I went on a commercial flight. So I wasn't as excited at the moment and the opportunity, but like, like I was telling you earlier, I always say yes to things and I wasn't going to say no. And I think the fact that my dad was standing right beside me, he reinforced it by saying she would love to. <laughs> Tell me about this relationship you have with this guy then. So the, he, he says to you, how would you like to fly? Dad's gone, hell yeah. You've gone, mm, maybe. And uh, what happened after that? Well, I got over it. You know, I, I, I had to, leading up to my first flight in a small plane, I was, of course, terrified. I couldn't sleep the night before. My heart was beating. I was like, okay, I guess it's all or nothing. And I got in the airplane and, you know, I was saying prayers because this was something I just wasn't comfortable. I mean, it's not like I hadn't been in a plane before, but it was my first time in a small plane. And I was saying my prayers and I remember just, you know, taking a deep breath. And the moment I was airborne, it was like, I guess it was really built up in my head because I still am terrified of flying on occasion because you have to have a little fear to be a good pilot. You have to be on your toes. And for me, literally on my toes. Um, keeping that in mind that fear sometimes keeps us uh, more aware of things. So I did decide to go up and, you know, went up on that first flight. And that was the moment I committed to becoming a pilot, to doing whatever it takes to have this tremendous experience of flying an airplane in the sky. And what kind of plane do you fly? So I fly a 1946 air coupe airplane. Uh, was built, you know, it's 1940s, and now there are very few of these airplanes left. But it's a cute little low-wing two-seater airplane, and it's like flying almost like a motorcycle in the sky because, or more like a um, convertible in the sky because you can have the windows down and you have the wind blowing in your face, and it's it's an incredible experience flying in this little airplane. And how often do you fly? I fly now that I have more time. Um, obviously, I'm a speaker and an author and a coach. So I've been um, spending more time at home with the situation with COVID and, and all of the uh, um, obviously measures we have to take uh, in order to be healthier and safe. 
So I've had so much time to go flying and I've had time to go to the airport nearly every day to check on the airplane. And some days I'll fly, some days I won't, but it's, it's wonderful to be able to have that. Goodness me. Now t- talk to me about being a coach. How did you become a coach and why did you become a coach? Well, I became a coach because I speak to thousands of people. Uh, I was sharing with you before, obviously earlier, that I was in Egypt and Saudi Arabia just in the last six months. And it's such a privilege to speak to so many people. But once in a while, you want to have a one-on-one interaction with someone and make a difference on a one-on-one level so you can be more intimately involved in their goals and helping them overcome and have a breakthrough and an aha moment or experience. And so that is why I decided to become a coach is to make it a more personal experience to help people break through their own challenges as well. And who typically do you coach? What kind of people would you typically, is it, is it business executives, females, kids, kids? What's, your, what's your area of specialty? Well, I don't actually have a specific area because I'm open to anyone who wants to achieve their impossible. And their impossible could be as simple as baking a cake or You know, it doesn't have to be profound like flying an airplane. Everyone has something in their mind that they want to achieve. And we all have these little things that kind of block our um, access to achieving those great things that we can do because everyone has the potential. It's funny, you know, I I look at you and I think if you were coaching me um, and I came to you with my stories or my excuses or my whatever whatever you want to call it and i sat down with you and you it'd be i'd just be looking at myself I'd, I'd feel an idiot for even bringing those times of fears up because you you'll be looking straight back at me going and <laughs> and your problem is <laughs> and i think that's kind of like in, in that you you because you don't have any arms you have an unfair advantage against other coaches that's not fair yeah that's actually why it's a very fitting position for me <laughs> <laughs> It's great that you do that. And so uh, do you travel most of the year? Are you gone for a lot of the time? I do travel speaking, um, speaking all over the world, 27 countries so far. And it's just really a privilege. I mean, I get to travel and and also kind of bring an inspirational message when I'm just traveling, um, traveling on a plane somewhere, or if I'm traveling alone, which on occasion I will travel alone. It's hard to envision someone without arms traveling alone, but I put everything in my backpack, carry it on my back. And that's how I carry my luggage. I just travel really light and go through the airports and then um, get to the rental car office and show them my driver's license. And they're usually pretty shocked when they know that I'm renting a car, but I got to get around. So I enjoy those reactions though. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I just thought about that. You You must have a mean streak in you. You must have some fun with that kind of stuff sitting there. Poor people that don't know what to do. They're sat there with you. No, I need my car, please. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to entertain yourself somehow on the road. <laughs> Tell me, where do you, you know, where do you get your inspiration from? Where does it come from for you? Be, be genuine with me here. Where where is it that you really get it from? My inspiration, because that's a big word. Um you, can you be a little more specific on with, with inspiration? What do you what do you mean? What inspires me to do the things that I do? Or the, 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 with some people to do the kind of things that you do, some 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 people, some mindsets are kind of like I'll give you an example. When I was when I was young, people talk about my success and and the journey that I've been on, and people say, "Where did it come from? Where were you so inspired to go out and achieve what you achieved?" And and it all comes from actually being bullied at school. So I was I was bullied quite badly at school when I was younger and I had this and still to this day and I'm 50 now still to this day I have this urge to want to prove something to these people even though I've met them 
a few years after and uh, created success and been able to demonstrate that I'm kind of like worthy. But and I don't like the word motivation because I, 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 I just don't associate with motivation. I associate with inspiration. And that that bullying inspired me to want to go out, go out and literally prove to the world you you want to bring bring it bring it okay i'm going for you yeah. and so and so that that's what inspired me and people say oh, no no just you know tony coach tony robbins coached me and stuff like that did tony inspire you and i'm like yeah i get lots of inspiration from lots of people but what the real driver was and still to this day is this nagging thing in the back of my mind of wanting to show you wanting to prove you so do you have something like that or can you identify with that i I can definitely identify with that because that's only natural to want to prove someone wrong because if you're told your entire life that you can't do this you can't play basketball you can't uh you know you can't do whatever you know you can't jump off the diving board and as a 10 year old being told you can't jump off the diving board well i snuck up the diving board and jumped off the diving board and, and I did that because I wanted the experience of jumping off the diving board, but I also wanted to say, I can do it, you know, like you said, is that proving people wrong. And that was, a you know, an inspiration for me for many years, and it built the resilience. But I also think about who I am, and arms or no arms, or no arms or arms, I think that a part of me is this adventure seeker, is the person who would go out and be considered the adrenaline junkie, you know, the person who would go out and do things, who, who does the things and everyone says, oh, they're crazy. That's me because that's what my mom was. And she, of course, was born with arms. And I came out and I was just like my mom. I was a go-getter from the start. So a part of me is that I know I have to work harder because there are those doubts and because no one has ever done it without arms, no one has flown an airplane with their feet, it's a lot harder for me to do those things. But I, from the beginning, no matter, you know, I mean, however I was, would have been born, that's a part of who I am. I'm, I'm the type of person who can't sit still. Like right now, I'm already planning what I'm going to try to do this afternoon. It's like, that's a part of my nature. And I like the challenge, the thrill of new opportunity the adventure of doing something that stretches me, that makes me feel a little scared inside. I like that. And that's just my personality, no matter what. Are you more like your mom or your dad? I'm more like my mom, yes. <laughs> and uh, she was an example to me for sure. My sister has Asperger's and from, from the moment of diagnosis, my mum has always felt terribly guilty and, t and like feeling responsible for the fact that my sister Louise turned out that way. And with my sister Louise and I had chalk and cheese really in terms of personalities. But my mum still to this day, you know, she's retired. She led my parents live in Cyprus. And whenever I go visit, you know, if my mum has too many glasses of sherry or too many glasses of wine, you know, so sometimes the emotion comes out and she talks about how bad she feels and stuff. And, and I constantly reassure her. Did, did you ever have that with your mum? Did your mum ever feel guilty? Did she, did she, did she want to take responsibility or did she beat herself up about it? Well, my mom, especially in the early years, I'm sure she felt guilty because she uh, let me get away with, I mean, murder. I was the <laughs> worst child. I threw tantrums well into childhood. Uh, I was angry and selfish at times. And she let me get away with that because I think she did maybe feel that responsibility or that guilt. Um, and, you know, fortunately, um, before she passed away, I was able to really switch, switch the roles and start to take care of her. 
and she would tell me things like, I can't believe how I'm just, I'm just so proud of you. And to be able to hear that and know that, you know, this guilt, there's no more of that. She knows now that I'm just fine and that I was going to take care of her. And it, and it was so wonderful that I could do that too, is kind of, you know, that part, part point in life when you switch roles with your parents. I was able to do that for my mom and to give her the same kind of love that she gave me and nurtured me growing up. But naturally, I think any parent, because you want the best for your child. I'm not a parent yet, but I can only imagine any mother would want the best for their child. And if they think that in some way that they're responsible for them not having the best potential life, there is going to be that guilt. And so I understand where it came from. Um, but, you know, we were definitely at peace with each other when, you know, when she passed and everything. And it was it was nice to know that that was no longer a part of our relationship. Who's who's your best friend? My best friend. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I have to bring up my husband. I've had best friends throughout my life. Um, and <laughs> um, Patrick is an amazing guy because we we're the type of couple that spends every waking moment together and we don't kill each other. So <laughs> that's you. That, that's un very unusual. <laughs> I know. I know. Especially now with everyone being in quarantine and everything, you know, I know a lot of couples are having a lot of stress because they can't stand be being with each other so much. But <laughs> luckily we can spend um, time. We were at the airport together and and so I've had many best friends in my life. I had a childhood best friend who I was fortunate to have who had that unconditional love and acceptance. Her and I grew up together and uh, we always tried to be twins, but it was obviously very hard to be a twin when you don't have arms because it was everyone would knew, know, know who you were. And anyways, but we were the same age. We had the same hair color and eyes and we always try to be twins growing up and then I have a best friend in college and then of course now my husband I spend a lot of time with and he's a best friend to me so I've been so blessed with wonderful people in my life who love me unconditionally and um and it's just it's wonderful are you religious yes I am uh-huh tell me a bit more about your faith and how it's helped you well my faith has been um it's definitely been a journey because uh, there were times when I would ask, why me? Why Why would God make me this way? Why would he want me to go through being bullied at school or picked on or stared at or going through all those things that made my life miserable at the time? And then, you know, now I realize, well, maybe he had a good plan. He had a great plan. And now the very things that I hated as a kid are the greatest gifts for me. They're the opportunities that I have to make a difference. They're the opportunities I have to stand out and give hope and inspiration. It's it's a blessing, but it took a long time to get to that understanding. But you know, nothing really can come quickly for, for anyone if they're going through a challenge. Sometimes it's tough to see that light at the end of the tunnel when you're in that moment. But um, good comes from the challenging times and it strengthened me and now it's it's a wonderful gift and blessing and so where'd you get your advice from and what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given Ooh, that's a good one hmm where did i get my advice from because there isn't one particular source um i i like i like this quote uh no um never let fear stand in the way of an opportunity. And I think every single person is ruled 
by fear to a certain extent in whatever it is we do. And we should just never let fear stand in the way of whatever opportunity that comes across our path and, and, and to really take it up. And, and who knows, who knows where that opportunity will lead. So I love the fearless mentality. I love the fearless attitude and approach to life, to having courage and doing something, even if it scares you. Do you, do you, when you think about most people, they, most people by the late twenties have kind of got into their groove. They're in their kind of tracks and they, whether it be superstardom or mediocrity seem to stay in there and find it very hard to move once they move into their thirties away from that, that kind of path that they're on. You speak around the world, you do motivational speeches, you say you do some coaching as well. Do you, do you think it's, it's possible to get, get people out of the place, those tracks that average that mediocrity that they're in easily and help them get through their fears easily so that they can go and achieve greatness? Or do you think once people get into their 30s, that's sometimes a, a bigger mountain to climb than maybe that anybody thought? Oh, I definitely think age is just a number because we're all on different tracks in life. I mean, sometimes it takes 20 years to realize something. Sometimes they'll take 40 years. Everyone is on a different track. And, you know, everyone has the opportunity to wake up the next day and do something new for themselves, to shift, make a shift in their life. Everyone has equal opportunity, no matter where they are in their life. When you, when you see so many people around the world um, essentially underachieving, one of, the, one of my biggest frustrations in life is seeing people's potential that they can't see themselves. And I look at, I look at all of the, the bounty that they actually have that they can't see. And I so badly want people to, to be successful and achieve things that matter to them. But I find that people settle very easily. They just kind of, they just accept. Um, maybe that's conditioning from their environment, from their family, their upbringing and whatnot. Uh, and they just accept. And, I, and I, it makes me really sad because I believe everyone can achieve great things. And I don't necessarily mean that's linked to money or anything like that, because, you know, after getting money, I found out that money wasn't, you know, wasn't my savior, not one minute. Um, so I find it, I find it kind of like deeply frustrating and I want people to achieve great things. I want people to go out and smash through their barriers and I want people to go out and, and do things that they've never done before and, and, and feel that it's possible. And when I, when, I, when I coach people and I see their potential and when I stand on a stage and I see, I don't know whether it's a thousand people or whatever the number is, when I see people in there, it for me matters so much. Do you get that feeling when you're around people? Would you, did you suffer with what I suffer with, being able to see people's potential that they can't see? Yeah, I think I have that advantage, though, when they see it, that I don't have arms and they're like, oh, okay. And they kind of have that moment. It's a, it, it is, though, I, I, you know, I love that you point that out. It's just like people, it, it is kind of like it's really disappointing when you, when you see someone, you see so much potential and you want them to do so much. What, and you want to help them, whether it's coaching or speaking to them, it is, it's difficult. And one of the things that I feel, though, that is fortunate about my specific situation is even without arms, I could do something as simple as what I did today is I grabbed a pen out of someone's little pen jar, wrote a little note down with my toes on a little sticky note. And that for them was a moment of, wow, I never knew that was possible. And when you see something that's you didn't think was possible in your life, then it opens up your eyes to other things that you can achieve. And to be able to be that witness to people 
is so remarkable. It's such a blessing. It's, it's, it's a passion of my life is to make sure that people realize their potential and whatever it is I can do, even if that means just getting a, a coffee at the drive through restaurant um, and then they see feet coming out the window to receive the drink. <laughs> yeah, that would shock me if I was at the window. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you picture that for a second. When you think about people out there that, that, that have... Um, that have helped shape you. When we see the, whether it's Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi, um, uh, Joe Dispenza, Jim Quick, whether it's um, Dr. John D. Martini, are there people out there that you that you consume their content or read their books and get a lot of um, inspiration and ideas from? Yes, you always have to have a role model because you know we're all we're all growing, and surrounding ourselves with people we want to be like, people that we admire that inspire us. It makes us, it, stretch, it stretches us to be even better, to uh, work harder, to read more, to learn knowledge, to be curious. And those are the things that we have to do because we'll constantly be growing and becoming a better version of ourselves if we're open to that. So I'm always open to having role models. I have a couple mentors in my own life, even in the speaking world, who I've looked up to for years. And I go and I hear them speak and, and they give me that aha moment of, yeah, that's incredible that perspective and just to have that and be open to that that's something we all need no matter where we are in life yeah i think we do i think i think yeah i think we do i think we do i i i unfortunately get too i because i do a lot of these podcasts i you know last week was dr john d martini uh, next week is jim quick the week after is dean graziosi we've got oprah winfrey coming on the show and such like so um, we had dr shafali from oprah's show as well i mean and then the list goes on and every time i sit down with somebody else i'm like yeah excellent fantastic yeah amazing and then they're, they're inspiring me and they're, they're they're my role model and it's like then i meet the next person so i, I think I'm, I'm very 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 lucky to be able to have these fantastic people come on the show over the course of the last year and a half and, and more to be booked in and so like with you I'll be sitting talking about you for the next week going what a great idea this is fantastic okay I'll be telling everyone how unfair your advantage is I won't yeah so I'll be talking about you with my friends yeah but she cheats she hasn't got any arms that's not fair we can't compete with that <laughs> whereas, <laughs> whereas I'm sure many years ago it would have it would have been seen, seen differently as, as we come to the end of this this interview, I've got a couple of questions to ask you so that my audience really can really can benefit. People right now have gone through a really challenging period. There've been lots of people in lockdown. There's been many wives that have wanted to throw their husbands off the balcony after having to be locked at home with them. Um, I'm sure there's many husbands right now that have learned how to zone out the noise of the children while they're sat at the dining table working every day. Um, but there's obviously a catastrophic number of people losing jobs at the moment, you know, 45 million in the States and around the world, that's, you know, even bigger in numbers around the world. We're going into what we're told is going to be a deep recession, um, one of the biggest recessions than before. And then you've also got things that concern people in the States, such as elections coming up later on in the year and stuff. Where do, where, where do people get hope from right now? Where do they, what, 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 what can they do? What, what steps do you think people can take to get themselves through this positively and, and into the, the kind of direction that they need to get in so that they can, I say, survive and then thrive. So they can survive this and then they can thrive on the other side. Yes, it's, 
it's such a critical time right now for all of us just to rise above and to come away from these challenging times wherever we have been challenged um, and come away stronger, to come away resilient. And I think it's definitely about shifting the attitude of, I'm not a victim of this situation, of the circumstances, but I am a victor and I am empowered to, if I have to change my life and change my attitude and keep the positive, keep the positive in mind, staying creative, um, having ingenuity, figuring it out, finding a way to come out of this as a stronger person. And it's really about shifting that, knowing that you are empowered, that you are empowered to rise above this and come out of this even stronger. And when you can do that every single day and remind yourself that every day, I'm sure you'll take a step closer every day towards what it is you wanna do to rise above. That's awesome. Jessica, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show this afternoon. I really appreciate you taking time out from over there in Arizona. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, guess who we've had on the show, hey? How cool is that? So, Jessica, thank you so much for your time. It's been great meeting you, great talking to you. We'll be make sure that we'll get the content over to you. If you want to share it with your friends and let us know, and we'll make sure that Dubai and the Middle East get more of you and your secret source as we go forward. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.